0: Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. My name is Chris Reynolds. I work with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board in a department known as Pastor Wellness for the last... 20 years I have pastored Mount Zion Baptist Church in South Atlanta and for the last year I've worked for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board traveling around the state worshiping with churches and having the opportunity to to experience just wonderful times with people and wonderful times with God if you have your Bibles your phone your iPad whatever it is you use take them and go to Luke chapter 24 in Luke chapter 24 we are on the morning of the resurrection But we are outside of the tomb encounter. We're actually on a road. It's called the road to Emmaus. It goes from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about seven miles. And two people are walking. As they're walking, they're talking. As they're talking, they are now joined by a third person that they don't initially know who it is. But we're going to come to find out it's Christ. So as I read, you follow. And let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his holy word. Now, that same day, that's Easter morning, okay, that same day, Easter morning, two of them, them are the disciples, one of them is named Cleopas, the other one we do not know, two of them are going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything. Don't read over the word everything. When you get to the word everything, you got to remember what they're talking about. They're, they're, they're talking about their expectations of Jesus coming to be not just a... Uh, their savior, their redeemer, but to be their earthly king, to overthrow Rome, to put them back in a place of comfort and power and position and prestige. And so that's part of the everything. They're talking about the fact that not only did he, was he not their king, he actually was crucified. It was the antithesis of what they thought. Here's a thought for you. We often miss Jesus looking for him in the dream while he is nestled, In the disappointment. We often miss Jesus looking for him in the dream. When he is merely nestled in the disappointment. So they're talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them. What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, the one that I mentioned, Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, as you read that, I want you to to feel the disgust, the disappointment, the despair, maybe even the sarcasm. In his voice, are you not the only one in Jerusalem who does not know what has taken place over these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were looking for him in the dream. And he was right there in the disappointment. The chief priests, they crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be this one who would redeem. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Not only was he our earthly, not our earthly king. He didn't even rise again because if it goes on and reads because it says some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. Then some of our companions, and if you read in other places, you would know that that is Peter, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. And then the scripture says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. You say, why would he disappear here? Well, they didn't need him anymore. They knew that what he had said was true. I'm going into the tomb. I will be there three days. I will come out and I will rise again. And when they saw him, they knew that that was true. They had been looking in the dream and he was there in the disappointment. He was there all the time. Is there application to life? Yes, there is. There are going to be people that disappoint you. There are going to be organizations that disappoint you. There are going to be relationships that disappoint you. There are going to be employers that disappoint you. There are going to be all of these things. But child of God, hear me. God has not left you. He is there. He's walking not only with you. He's living inside of you through His Holy Spirit. He has said that I have made you more than a conqueror and an overcomer. When he was at the table with them, they realized who he was. Their eyes were open in verse 31, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Wasn't there something just a little bit different? Wasn't there something just a little bit amazing? Wasn't there something awesome? We didn't know it. We didn't see it. We were looking at the dream. He was in the disappointment. But yet we felt it. Let me tell you. When these disappointments, moments of despair, moments of discouragement, moments where you have been absolutely a failure or been failed, Jesus is there. He says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. He said, I do want to be with you. And church, hear me this morning. He wants to be with you as an individual. He wants to be with you as a congregation. He said there was something different even when... And then in verse 33, it says they got up and returned it once to Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. They just made a seven-mile hike. They made a seven-mile hike... That took them through rocky terrain, over the hills and through the woods to grandmother's house would go, however, you want to picture it. That is exactly what was going on. They had an encounter with Christ. They could not contain it. And they got up immediately. And it says that they went, what? It is, um, they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. What is true? It's true what Mary, Mary, Martha said. It is true what Peter said. It is true what Jesus said. He is risen. He is alive. There's a new covenant with God today because of Christ. Says it is true. The Lord has risen, has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So imagine the scenario, Holy Week, they've come to see Jesus, they want to see him um, installed as king, they want to see Rome defeated, and instead of that, what they see is him crucified, betrayed, mock trial, beaten, flogged, and all of that stuff going on. They're in despair. Matthew, Mark, and John don't record this story. But Luke does, and I'm glad he did because there's something very human about this story. There's something very human about when I'm looking for Jesus in the dream and he's in my disappointment. There's something very human about when I am disappointed that I get frustrated or, or pulled away from or allow myself to be distracted from God. There's something so human about that. And I would tell you right now, if somebody had to give a testimony this morning of being that, I could raise my hand and say, It's me. I pastored a church in a community where people were in great transition and all the people that lived there moved out and other people came in. And I wasn't upset that the people were coming. I was just very upset with God that the people were leaving. And I remember the spot, the place, the time where I was standing. And I said, God, why are you doing this to me? And God wonderfully. I wanted the dream. You see, I wanted to keep the people that were there. um, And I wanted to gain the people that were moving in. I was looking for the dream. God was in the disappointment. God was over here. And he said, Chris, stop looking at what's leaving and start loving who I'm bringing. And I want to tell you what happened for the next 15 years. God brought people from every continent except Australia. And over 25 different countries ultimately with about 17 of them nestling there. We began to reach the world and see people come to know Christ as Savior. So I can identify with these people and I'm sure this morning that you can identify with, with these two who are walking on the road and saying, God, where are you? Don't you see what's going on around me? Don't you see what's happening to me, to us, to this, to that? And God is there. He's beside you. These travelers, their hearts were sad. It said that they looked down, downcast. And they, their faith had faded. Their, their hope was on a hiatus. And their um, adoration, if you will, was AWOL. They could not adore what they could not see. But yet God was there. That's the why he says, you've got to come to me with childlike faith. That's why he would say, trust me. That's why he would say, follow me. That's why he would say, pick up your cross daily and follow him. Because you're not going to always see, but God is always there and he's always for you. They couldn't embrace the faith element. They could not embrace the truth truth of prophecy. But that moment, that morning... That Easter morning, that first Easter morning, prophecy became history. Why do you seek the living among the dead? For he is not here. He has risen again. What had been told had become reality. And this morning, that reality is still true. Jesus is risen. Jesus is Savior. And then if you think about it, not only was, were, there, were the the walk, the people walking desperate, but the Savior was direct. He said, you are slow. Why are you slow to believe? And he would ask us that this, this morning. Why are we slow to believe? He has proven himself over and over and over again. The Savior is waiting. But when he revealed himself... They experienced the power of his presence. It is true. The Messiah. It is true. He did what he said. You say, what's the difference? The difference is taking God at his word, embracing it, believing it. And you say, how did they believe it? Because they got up and they walked seven miles back to the place that they had left defeated. They returned victorious. The result of this was dynamic. In verses 29 and 30, it just simply says, Stay with us. The day is over. So he went in. He broke the bread as he handed it to them. Obviously, he revealed the scars. Their hearts were satisfied. The scripture says that he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. Their home was sanctified. And you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? This was a worship time. He took the home and made it a sanctuary. You say, a sanctuary? Yes, because there was worship. Why was there worship? Because there was Jesus. And he was being exalted by them as risen Lord. You see, you don't have to be here to have a sanctuary. Wherever you are, going down the road, sitting at home in your moment of desperation, it becomes a sanctuary the moment you invite Jesus into the situation and say, I will follow you. Their home was sanctified. Their hearts were satisfied. Their victory was sealed. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem, found the eleven and those assembled with them, and said, It is true, the Lord is risen. It is true, the Lord is risen. So you have to ask yourself, where are you in this spectrum this morning? You see, this morning we saw a conversation of disappointment. We saw a conversation of directness. And we saw a victory that was complete. And so, maybe this morning you're just simply in the conversation, God, who are you? God, where are you? God, why is this happening? God's big enough for that. Do you understand that? God can take your anger, your hurt, your madness, your ugliness, your sin, whoever you are, whatever you are, God can take that right where you are. The scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. So if you're having your conversation this morning, recognize that in your dream there's that in your dream, that God may be in your disappointment. In your disappointment, you can talk to him openly and honestly. You can simply look at him and say, Hey, God, I don't understand why these people are leaving. I want the new people to come, but why are these people abandoning me? God is big enough for your conversation. God, why is this going on in my relationship? Why is this going on in my country? Why is this going on at my job? Why is this going on with my finances? God, why is this going on with my church? And you begin to honestly talk to him. And the scripture says that if you will seek him, you will find him. That he will show himself to you. That he will stick close to you. That he will complete what he has begun. So are you in the conversation stage of your journey with Christ? Are you in the confrontation stage of your journey with Christ? Where he's having to show you you've been slow to believe. I don't like that, but that's, that happens. And God wants to come in and, and not with just a broad approach, but with a laser approach. He says, I want to come into your life. I want to point out to you. David said, seek me, search me. Show me if there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you. It was an invitation not to look and say you're a sinner, but an invitation to say, look, you sinned right here. Now, here's the truth. If I'm a child of God, my sin does not break my relationship, but it will break my fellowship. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. There can be moments that you are still married, but you better, guys, you better not go try to get the hug, right? Because the relationship is there, but the fellowship is broken. It's the same thing with God. Sin is an affront to a holy God. And while you are a child of God, and if your life ends, you'll go to heaven God's perfect desire is for us to recognize our sin, confess our sin, give it to him, leave it with him, and let him cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you see, you're either in the conversation, the confrontation, or let's call it the culmination. You have seen him as Christ. And you're ready to follow him. I would presume that most everybody in this room has followed all of that. The conversation, the confrontation, you've got the culmination, you're born again. But I also believe whether we're online or in this room, there's some that have not. And the scripture says that if I do not know Jesus as Lord, that I'm eternally separated from him. Jesus didn't die on that cross, go in that tomb and rise again for you to be eternally separated. No, he did it for us to be eternally joined. And so this morning, would you ask yourself, where am I? With an honest evaluation. And once you evaluate, then are you willing to take the steps necessary to make it right? But you see, there's one other thing in that culmination, child of God. Part of that situation in the child of God is for us to understand Romans 8, 28. God calls us all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In other words, what gets to you does not come directly through you. If you're a child of God, it first goes to him, and he may not have designed it, but he did allow it. And if he allowed it, it is for your good and for his glory, if you're called according to his purpose. And so there are times in my life that we have to say, Hey God, I don't like it, but hey God, my ultimate goal isn't to be happy. My ultimate goal is to be holy and I'm going to follow you. I'm gonna follow you in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm gonna follow you in the trials. I'm gonna hold on to you in the temptations. God, I'm going to be your light. I'm going to be your voice. I'm going to let people see you in me and the real me that's going to cry when it hurts and is going to laugh when it's good and gonna be angry when it's something we should be angry about. But God, I always want it to be sanctified and set apart for your glory. You see, that's the emotion of Emmaus. They were sad. They were disappointed. They were angry. They were having conversation about how they had been done wrong. But yet when confronted with Christ, they dropped that and shout, shouted, it is true. He is risen. He's not a liar. He is my Lord. Father, I thank you for your, your word this morning. I thank you that your word teaches. I thank you that your word proclaims. It um, protects us. It instructs us. It convicts us. And God, this morning, I pray that in the sound of my voice through the internet or in this room, God, if there's one that has not yet decided to follow you, that we would not leave today until, until we make that decision, until we declare that is our direction. Lord, I pray for those Who are in desperate times. Lord, that you would be their peace and comforter, provider. You would be present and that that their identity would not be hidden from them, but it would be seen in full view this morning. And God, I pray that the testimony of every one of us would be: it is true. He is risen, He is Lord. In just a moment, our worship team will lead us one more time. And we're going to have a time of reflection, a time of response. We're responding to the call of God that he wishes none would perish but all would come to him for everlasting life. We're responding to that he calls on us to confess sin. We're responding to, he calls us to be a part of the body of Christ. We're responding to that we will follow him, not just in the good days, but in the bad days. I invite you, you can come to the front and pray. Um, Pastor Eric is going to be here. You can come and have conversation with him. There will be others that are available if if we so need it. Thank you, sir. Fathers, we have this time of invitation, this time to respond. I pray that you would have your way and your will, and your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.